I think Bruce Arians almost did the opposite of what we would expect. He didn't take away Dalvin Cook, who scored a touchdown. He took away Justin Jefferson, and he pretty much took away Adam Thielen. The way this team is playing compared to the way they were playing a few weeks ago when we saw them, to me it feels more likely that this will be a dogfight. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, episode 72. I'm your host, Cy Amundsen, joined in studio by Chris Corso and Jay Nelson from Vikings.com. Fellas, as we enter the end stretch of the NFL season here, the Vikings are running out of time and chances after a loss in Tampa Bay, but they still can put themselves in a position to compete for a playoff spot if they run the last three off that starts this week with the Chicago Bears. Uh, before we get into the Bears, I, I don't want to – I say this every week. I don't want to talk about the last game, but this week I genuinely mean it. I'm, I, don't, I am talked out in terms of Dan Bailey. We talked to – anybody who's following this show and following Vikings coverage, you've had your fill of Dan Bailey discussion. Y you know the story. You know the takes. I was trying to think about what I was thinking about this game, guys, and where I'm at in terms of this season. And it brought me to a thought process that I've had about sports in general forever. And it's going to be – you might as well play a, back, a banjo in the background because it's going to be real hillbilly crammed together. It's not, I don't know that it will make a lot of sense or be smart. But let, let me walk you two through how I view professional and college sports and probably youth sports as well, but the sports that I watch and, and what decides how seasons turn out, okay? So as Chris looks on with bewilderment, what, what, is there a, uh, uh, Jay, is there a word that describes lack of anticipation? Is there a singular word? Um, apathy, I guess, maybe. I'm so excited <laughs> to hear your takes. I Tell us all about it. So there's <laughs> sports teams, football, basketball, whatever. You play two types of games in a season. You compete in games that are decisive. Either you whoop somebody's ass or you get your ass whooped. You know, the sort of games that aren't really in question, decisive games. And then there's another group of games that are in doubt, the sort of games that could go either way and are usually decided by which team makes the less mistakes and which team executes more. And often those games are decided in the clutch moments of the matchup, right? So those are your two categories. You have your decisive games and your in doubt games. Now, when you step further, when you look at a league, let's use the NFL, for example, and you look at the, the teams that are bad, the Jets, the Jaguars, the, 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 bottom, the bottom barrel teams in a season usually have a heavy amount of decisive losses, games where they didn't really stand a chance. And then when you go look at the elite of the elite, the Packers, the Chiefs this year, you know, for example, the, the, the Bills who are, who are right up there, they usually have a heavy amount of decisive wins, generally, not always, right? And then in between the teams that are the worst because of their talent and the teams that are generally the best because of their talent, 
there's this whole conglomerate of teams that season revolves around how they execute in the in-doubt games because they'll get a couple decisive victories and they'll get a couple decisive losses. And then how does your team play and perform in these in-doubt, difficult situations? That is definitively the type of football team that we have in front of us right here. We all, it's, it's a team filled with youth. It's a team with a bunch of rookies playing. It's a team with, with uh, you know, a, a bunch of depth stepping up. There's young talent. There is talent. But we all knew that even if this team had a stellar record, this was going to be a growth year, especially without the pandemic training camp, right? So this team was going to likely land somewhere in that middle group of teams whose season is decided whether they'll be a great team or a terrible team on those in-doubt games. Because if you break down the Vikings schedule, you have five decisive games. You have a Packers loss, a Colts loss, and a Falcons loss. And then in my opinion, you have a Packers win coming out of the bye and a Lions win. So you went two and three in decisive games, which is pretty common for this group of teams. You kick a couple people's asses and you get your ass kicked a couple times. We just saw it. Look at, the, look at the Tennessee Titans. Look at the Buffalo Bills. I know I mentioned them before, but look at the, the Cleveland Browns. These teams that are, that are pretty good teams this year, they've kicked a couple people's asses and they've had their ass kicked a time or two, right? So now you get into those, for the Vikings, you get into those other eight games that can swing your season one way or another. Games that came down to the final moments, the amount of mistakes, the execution, and the team is four and four. You've gone four and four in, in those games and you've put yourself at the exact place that you are, the, 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 on the edge of football no man's land. We still have a chance here, but you look back and this is like almost a prime example of this situation because so many of those in doubt games were immensely in doubt. I mean, let's, let's go through them. You get that Titans, that crazy Titans loss at the end, giving up that drive with the kick. Un unbelievable. The, the insanity that was the Seahawks loss, right? You're owing to there. The insanity that was the Bears win with Kirk pumping his fist and running down the sideline. The insanity that was the Cowboys lost with Andy Dalton at the end of the game. Uh, you get the, the Panthers, a killer drive to win, and then they miss a field goal literally at the gun. The Jaguars, an overtime loss. And, and then the Buccaneers, a game that, even though it was a 12-point game, falls into that category because you, you talk about the missed kicks and you talk about all the opportunity was there. Not to be dramatic, but this is one of the all-time in doubt type of push you one way or another seasons right now. I, I, we've said it a lot of times because, and, and the reason I was thinking about this as I continue this marathon speech I'm giving Chris is I was thinking about how, you know, every team says that every year. Well, if we could have just won this game and that game, we'd have been in the playoffs. Normally that's a load of bullshit in my opinion. But with this team, with, with the, insanely slim margin of error with the insanity at the end of these games. It's just been such an interesting journey that was capped once again with a difficult in doubt loss on Sunday. And I, I thought of all that because I was trying to figure out how I wanted to 
process going forward. What did I thought about the team in the last three games, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think lost in that, you know, that big mix is something I talk about all the time. The hope that I have for the future, not just this year, but the following years. But it really is a pretty insane season thus far in terms of the margin and how quickly or closely it could have swung one direction or the other. I couldn't agree more. And that's probably why I get so frustrated because we have so many good things on this team. We do all the hard things really well. We have a running back who is the best running back in the league who leads running backs in rushing touchdowns. We have a wide receiver rookie that we traded one of the best wide receivers in the NFL for who's having one of the best seasons as a wide receiver for a rookie in franchise history. We have another wide receiver on the other side of the ball who's the best red zone target other than probably Devontae Adams uh, touchdown-wise in the NFL and Adam Thielen. We have so many things that are going so well, but when it comes to the easy things, the false starts when you're in the red zone, the sacks out of field goal range when you're in the red zone, those are the things that I get very frustrated about. And in this game, it happened so many times against the Buccaneers, and that's one thing I want to point out before I, I throw it back to you, Cy. In this game, I I understand the missed kicks from Dan Bailey. I understand Vikings fans being upset about that, um, but... I don't know. I get to sit with Kirk Cousins on Mondays and hear him break down what he thinks happened in the game. And when he spoke, he took blame for the missed kicks because we were in those kicking situations because of what happened the play before that. We moved the ball all the way down the field to start the game against the number one rushing defense in the NFL with our running back. We fought fire with fire. We did the hard thing, but then every drive when we got into the red zone, Kirk acknowledged it himself. He said, we ran into problems. I got sacked out of field goal range on the opening drive. And I want to just break that down just a little bit more because when he says certain things, I like sometimes he'll he'll finesse a little bit, but when he says certain things, sometimes something sticks with me. And he said in this game they were trying to take away the deep ball to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, which that was the one common denominator in the games that we won over this streak. The deep passes down the field when Kirk wasn't going for those singles and doubles. He was actually Throwing the ball down the field, you have that combined with a good running game. That's the success of this Vikings offense. The league's top rushing defense, they didn't take away Dalvin Cook. They lined up in formations to stop Kirk from going down the field. We had no explosive plays at all in this game. And when it came time to make those plays, Kirk had no options. And I think Bruce Arians almost did the opposite of what we would expect in the game. And he didn't take away Dalvin Cook, who scored a touchdown early in this game. He took away Justin Jefferson, and he pretty much took away Adam Thielen's side. That's always an interesting thing in the NFL. When you know, I remember that with Daryl Revis. Everybody's like, well, don't throw out Daryl Revis. And then every once in a while, somebody would be like, we're just going to go at your strengths. Because if we can beat your strengths, you know, there's there's an interesting aspect to how teams plan and, and, and the chess match there and, and how they end up actually approaching games. And I think you're right. And I imagine anybody who's who's listening who actually sat through my 10-minute speech that could be summarized as uh, teams play close games and if they win them, they're good. 
But I, I do think, Jay, it's just really interesting to, to look at this group, given all their inexperience and youth and growth, and, and realize how close we were. Because generally, only one or two of the teams in the NFL every year aren't in this group that I'm talking about. You even go back to the Vikings-Minnesota miracle year. I think that is the upper echelon example of this. You had a, really, you had a ton of really talented guys. You had a very good football team. But... You had a team that in in-doubt games that year just absolutely kicked ass. We played a lot of close football games that year and a lot of games that, that were still in doubt rolling into the fourth quarter. And we came out of a lot of those games with victories. And this season, you're only clipping at about 50%. And when you clip at about 50%, you're going to clip at about 50%. I think for me, the biggest thing, there's a word you just used. And for me, it, it's the overriding factor of the entire season, which is experience. I think experience is the thing that helps you gloss over some of those mistakes that helps you work through it and say, oh, we got lucky on this one, but that one we got bit. If you're an experienced player, you can recognize some of those situations a little bit easier. And I think on the front end of the season in those first six games, the experience side is the thing that absolutely torched us. And some of those small in-betweener games, like you're talking about the Tennessees and the Seattles, you kind of feel like if, if the back half of the defense had more experience, maybe they would have recognized some of those situations better in order to prevent the teams from marching down the field, especially late in the game as easily as they did. For me, going into the season, we had a big question, which was what's going to happen given all the turnover that we had when you lost Linval Rhodes, Wayne Sandejo, Weatherly and Diggs, right from the previous season and Mackenzie and then, Alexander and Mackenzie Alexander. Yep. On top of that. And then going into the season, you're like, well, we have some season guys in the front line. We have some season guys at linebackers, some season guys in the back end and you lose Anthony Barr Pierce because of the opt out. And then Daniil Hunter, that's more experience on that defense, which to be honest with you, it feels like the defense is the thing that's been the shakiest this season. So for me, if you're losing that experience, then that is where you're going to have a problem. One small last thing before I turn it back, Si. Do you guys remember the 2017 Packers season? That was the year that Aaron Rodgers was out, right? They were 7-9. and nine. Everyone was laughing. We were kind of dancing on their grave because it, they were losing those close games and they just did not have the answers on the back end. In that season, in that draft, they drafted Kevin King and Aaron Jones. And once they got Aaron Rodgers back in the building, they have taken off because they got that experience as horrible as it was for them, their rookie season. Since then, those guys have been contributors. And I feel like that is what we are set up for for the future if this draft pans out the way we think it's going to. So that's my feeling as the experience is showing here in these close games. Well, that, the, the thing that drives me nuts about the Tampa game, you know, because I don't, I don't play the what if, what could have been, what if it would have gone this way. I, like I said, this is one of the rare times I've, I've spent focusing on that. But what drives me nuts about that Tampa game is what early on it was setting up to be. And I know it's insane to say that, like, well, if things would have gone great, they would have gone great. But, but the truth is, these were such extenuating circumstances in this game, much like the first two games of the season, where you gave up like an NFL record time of possession, and you're turning the ball over on your side of the field. Like, they, they were just such out, outside of the ordinary circumstances, which is what a kicker missing 10, you know, 10 points worth of kicks is. 
And when they drove down, Chris, and you were saying not only did they get knocked out of field goal range in that first one, but when, when they missed the first extra point and then they were marching down the field and they weren't able to punch it in and get a touchdown that could have put them up 13 and it pushed them to a field goal, which was also then missed, not only did it go from 10 to 6, it kind of could have gone from 14 to 6 execution-wise. And to that point, the time of possession was incredible. It was like 12 to 3 minutes. The game had been set up so perfectly. Brady was uncomfortable. He was missing his throws. They were going to have to start playing from behind, and he was going to have to throw them back in. I mean, it was like we lost an opportunity for an all-time performance. And Mike Zimmer does this all the time where he – he, he will rally in moments where it seems improbable. You know, I, I always think back to that Arizona game a number of years ago where we went down there missing Harrison Smith and linebacker, you know, just a shell of a defense. And you took that game against a good Cardinals team and you took it down to the very stretch uh, to the end of the game. And that's what really bummed me out about this game is, you know, you said the defense, Jay, has been the shaky part of the team at times this year. And I think there's truth to that. But also with all this youth, Zimmer is going to turn in likely a top 10 DVOA defense this season, which is shocking. And losing that game wasn't just a loss. It didn't just hurt the playoff chances. To me, it was also just this gut punch because of the way those first 16, 18 minutes set up were, were, were prompting this wonderful storm and this, this incredible uh, moment and achievement, given the fact that you were also without Eric, Eric Kendricks, Corso. Yeah, and you talk about uh, some of those things that happened early in the game when you have the chance to go up two scores on Tom Brady in, in the first quarter when you're completely dominating the time of possession, which is exactly what we wanted. That's why I get upset because we do the hard thing so well. Everything was going the Vikings' way. We were set up to just completely dominate the game. Tom Brady was was not himself. He, he missed a wide-open uh, receiver early in the game. He threw another ball like 10 feet over Gronk's head. It was all going our way. And for someone uh, who grew up in New York who is not the biggest fan of Tom Brady, the one thing I know is when you don't take advantage of certain things against Brady – He just goes and sticks a knife right in you and turns it inside of your body, Cy, because that's exactly what he did when he threw that touchdown to to Scotty Miller. It's like we worked our butt off for those two drives, which we end up with only six points, and then he just comes in after playing terribly with three minutes of time of possession in the first half and, and gets seven points. And then they get another touchdown, and all of a sudden they score 17 points. So a, a few calls that probably uh, went Tom Brady's way, which we all know that's kind of a common theme Easy in Tom Brady's New York. career. We get it. He got a couple there. calls. We get it. We, we already had to listen. I've had to listen to you do this all week. We get it. You, you didn't like the calls. He takes advantage when you make mistakes and miss opportunities. I will always give Tom Brady that. He knows how to stick the dagger in his opponent. He does that better than any quarterback in NFL history. How's that, Cy? How big of you to give such an immense amount of credit to literally maybe the greatest quarterback of all time? I'm, if I'll say anything about Tom Brady, it's he takes advantages of mistakes. That's like saying, 
That's like saying McDonald's sells a couple of uh, sandwiches. It's the, the understatement of the millennia. It was interesting. It was the first Hail Mary pass interference call in the NFL since 2009. So feel about that. I have a you point. Want. The loss uh, paired with an Arizona Cardinals win means that we're now officially in the eighth seed. And we essentially need to win out and probably get help uh, as we play Chicago. New Orleans, and Detroit. Vikings Connected is a lighthearted look at the Vikings players and organization through social media, as well as a platform to showcase the big-time personalities on the team. Segments include fan favorites such as Skull, LOL, Purple Pups, and The Hot Dish, plus new additions like History Lessons featuring comedian and diehard Vikings fan, Cy Amundsen. Returning for a seventh season, our co-hosts Aaron Newberg and Chris Hockey from KFAN and the wildly successful, highly touted Power Trip Morning Show. Catch this thing weekly, KMSP Fox 9 or Fox Sports North or via the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Information, vikings.com slash connected. Uh, join Adam Phelan uh, and the Salvation Army in providing food, shelter, and care for our neighbors in need. Text SKOL to 24365 to donate today. That's S-K-O-L to 24365 to donate. Uh, let's move from the Bucks to the Bears. Uh, different team than we saw a couple weeks ago. Mitch Trubisky in uh, the David Montgomery is playing and actually functional and having a hell of a couple of a hell of a couple of games here. This Bears team is going to be a little closer to the Bears team that we've seen the last couple seasons than the Bears team we saw a few weeks ago, right, Jay? Yeah, and that's the thing we we felt like before we somewhat dodged a bullet, but you weren't sure what you're going to get with Nick Foles. Now Foles is out, Trubisky's back in. We all know about Trubisky's history and, and some of the problems that he has had, but he looked like he was on fire and out on a mission last week against Houston, uh, going 24-33 for 267 and three touchdowns. I, I I think between he and Montgomery coming in and finally injecting some life into that offense and then defensively them getting some of their studs back, this is going to be a lot harder game than, than we were thinking earlier, especially in Week 10. And Chris, David Montgomery has been absolutely fantastic, but Allen Robinson, now with Trubisky stepping in, has just uh, – this is corny, but he's basically Mr. old Mr. Reliable. I mean, he's he has been all over the place all the time, a 1,000 yards receiving for the second straight year. He's just – going to make his presence felt. And with David Montgomery actually opening up the field a little bit, Allen Robinson is a guy you got to be ready for on Sunday. Yes, uh, he has 11 straight games in this offense as the leading wide receiver on the team. I don't expect that to change at all in the game that we play on Sunday. Uh, but you touched on David Montgomery, and and I think that was the thing that was missing when we played them in Chicago earlier in the season, they, they had no running game. I think they had Cordero Patterson running the ball out of the backfield the time we played them. And when you have a guy who can literally break off for an 80-yard run like he did 
on Sunday against the Texans, that opens up things for Allen Robinson. That opens up things for Mitch Trubisky to, to do some of the things that we haven't seen him do this year. I mean, he, he's coming off of his best game against the Texans with three touchdowns, season high of, of a passer rating, and obviously he didn't turn the ball over, which is a big thing with Trubisky. But I look for them to really uh, have that, go back to that that offense that we saw from Matt Nagy back in the past couple of years when Trubisky kind of hurt us with the gadget plays, with with the plays that he runs to Anthony Miller or, or this guy here, that guy there, and and things that, that really our defense is going to have to focus in on because as you, as you touched on earlier, Jay, a lot of young guys in this defense who don't have experience going up against that type of offense, and it's not going to be Nick Foles back there like it was a few weeks ago, and there's actually going to be, I think, a better game plan from the Bears in, heading into this game on offense. And, Jay, you mentioned uh, Mitch Trubisky and his his numbers. And it, I've always said about Mitch Trubisky, he seems to play really well when the defense is putting him in good situations. And he might have been uh, – he might have done well last week, but the defense done done well last week. Uh, they they sacked the – maybe the most mobile quarterback or one of the most mobile escapable quarterbacks in the NFL, Deshaun Watson, seven times. I mean, Khalil Mack is full on awake since the last time we played them. The front seven here is going to be, again, like I just said about the offense, much closer to the front seven we've seen in the past as opposed to the front seven we saw a few weeks ago. Yeah, and and if you look with that seven-sack game, I mean, you had other guys that are also somewhat bit players, but they're benefiting from the fact that you have your Roquan Smith, your Khalil Mack, uh, Akeem Hicks being back is a big deal as well. Uh, him going out in that game against us was was a was a big big momentum shift at that point where things were still kind of close, and that's when we pulled away. I think having that stout front seven still in there and seeing guys this past week like Rokon Smith get two sacks, Mario Edwards Jr. also have two sacks. Um, I I think they're going to look at us and say. Yeah, week 10 is one we should have had, but now that offensively we can put up some points, they're going to go back to what they've always done. They're going to try to make your life miserable on the front offensive line. They're going to try and stuff Delvin Cook. And and I think given uh, Thielen's two touchdowns in week 10, Justin Jefferson breaking off over 100 in that game as well, I think that secondary is going to know what they have in those guys. And I just feel like if they, they – they're going to look at what's happened the last couple of weeks. If you get pressure on Kirk Cousins, you know you're going to make him miserable. You know you're going to make it difficult on him. I do not see how the Chicago Bears feel like they're just going to sit back and try to, to make that happen. So I think those front seven for the Chicago Bears are going to be doing an awful lot of blitzing and putting an awful lot of pressure on our offense to try to make sure that we can't get comfortable and we can't score points. Chris, that is going to be the key is keeping Kirk upright. And you talked about what the Buccaneers uh, did. You talked about what Kirk said on his show. I mean, is is it reasonable to believe, given what you saw last week, that they will be successful in keeping him upright against the growing monster that is a, the, the current Bears defense? You're going up against a team that literally has had some of the best games against Kirk Cousins when it comes from from the defensive side of the ball. And when I see Khalil Mack literally sack Deshaun Watson in the end zone for a safety and then on another play force and recover a fumble by literally ripping the ball away from a Duke Johnson last week, 
I, I, I start to get worried and say that stuff cannot happen in this game. Roquan Smith, Mario Edwards Jr. both had two sacks each last week against Deshaun Watson, who is very mobile on his feet. Now, now I know the Texans have had a lot of issues with their offensive line this season, but I mean, in the past few games, that, that's been one of our weaknesses is, is protecting Kirk Cousins, especially in the pass game. That's, that is my number one. Like I talked about us against their offense. I'm looking at our offense against their defense. I'm looking at the interior offensive line in the passing game, Cy. Jay, the defense, you know, as, as opposed to you always want to get pressure on the quarterback. I, I'm, I, so I'm not going to say something ridiculous. But last week, it's imperative to get pressure, especially up the middle in Tom Brady's face. And with a young defensive line, it, it, pressure hasn't always been the easiest thing this season. With Mitch Trubisky, he's obviously a guy you want to put pressure on, but as Corso alluded to a little while ago, he's also a guy who gets outside the pocket. He's a guy who might gadget. He's a guy who might do a few things. So he's a guy that I feel like you want to get pressure on him, but you also want to make Mitch Trubisky sit in the pocket and beat you with his arm. If, if this game comes down to Mitch Trubisky's arm beating you, well, what were you going to do about it? You know, that's – I like our chances if it's our defense against straight-up Mitch Trubisky's arm. I think this is one of those situations where you end up hearing Andre Patterson talk about it all the time. Whenever you have a mobile quarterback who can get out of the pocket and make you pay, what do they want to do? They want to have those defensive ends get upfield in order to, to squeeze them and make them sit in the pocket, like you just said. I think Trubisky is one where, where – you go on the internet and everyone's got a theory as to what he can't do and what he can do and where he can throw and where he can't. At the same point, like you said, if if the game plan is stop David Montgomery and then you're going to just take your chances at Mitch Trubisky, who, to be honest with you, for the last year plus at this point, everyone's been saying he's a head case because he's been having all of these issues. I think, like you said, defensively, you will take that chance. So stop David Montgomery, make Mitch have to sit in the pocket and throw it around. And if you do, you know who the top targets are. Robinson is going to be his top target. You know, uh, uh, Komet coming out of Notre Dame, the, the rookie this year, he's been getting some run with the tight ends. And then they've also got Mooney at, at the rookie wide receiver as well. Those are, are some of his nookie blankies. And if the whole thing is you can keep them in the short to intermediate passing game, and take your chances on being able to break on a ball and pick something off or knock it away in a third down, you're going to do that on defense. So I think you're right. I think it comes down to contain Mitch, make sure Montgomery doesn't doesn't gash you too much, and then squeeze. And at the end, that's when you put that pressure on and make Mitch make a mistake. And given the the way we started this show and the, the topic we discussed as I as I Ted talked my way into this particular episode about, uh, you know, games that are in doubt versus games that are decisive. I hope the Vikings go in and get a decisive victory this weekend, but the way this team is playing compared to the way they were playing a few weeks ago when we saw them, to me, it feels more likely that this will be a dog fight. And, And they're the sort of team that loves to play the style of football that Mike Zimmer also likes to play. These are two teams that want to play smash mouth defense, time of possession offense, and just beat you by being good at football. So I, I, I think outside of something absurd happening or a litany of turnovers on one side of the ball, you likely are going to have a situation where this is, this is going to be a hell of a battle. And, you know, special teams are probably going to play a factor. 
You know, they played a factor last time when Patterson returned to kick. Uh, and here's the hoping whoever the kicker is on Sunday, damn, it looks like Dan Bailey will, will be around. We're, we're not going to speculate on that sort of thing, but hopefully I, I should just say, I'm a big believer in, in Dan Bailey. He's a guy who he's the, I mean, this, he's the sixth most, most accurate kicker in the history of the NFL. You know, guys like that might have a couple of bad weeks and this is, let's not pussyfoot around it. This is an epic level of a bad couple of weeks. But the thing that I've always thought about Dan Bailey is Dan Bailey responds well. I always thought he was a good match with Coach Zimmer. He seems to handle himself well. He's not, you know, he's not intimidated by the moments. He's not intimidated by his teammates. He's not intimidated by fans or coaching staffs. He's a guy who just – and you heard Zimmer basically say that forever. I'm not worried about Dan Bailey. Dan Bailey – Dan Bailey's unshakable. Well, now we've seen him get shaken – and I don't exactly know how it'll play out on Sunday, but I might be the only person in Minnesota when I say this, but if Dan Bailey walks out onto the field Sunday to kick a field goal, honestly, my anticipation is that he will make it. He's been too good for too damn long that I don't think he's going to have the mental yips and his career is going to be over. I think it's something functional. I think it's something they'll get fixed. And, and if he walks out onto the field to have to drill a 48-yarder, I anticipate it going through. I, maybe I'm a crazy person, but that's what I see happening. You know, it's Dan Bailey has had a couple of rough stretches in his career and is still one of the most accurate kickers in NFL history. There are, every once in a while, the Adam Vinatieri's or the Justin Tuckers um, of the league. These guys who come in and they're knocked down, drag out studs for 20 years. Does that happen? Sure. It's one in however many guys. The rest of them are, you know, now here's my new, here's my new kicker theory, Chris. The rest of them are either guys who are going to float in and out of positions like the Cody Parkies of the world, you know, or they're bona fide good kickers who play on one, maybe two teams in their career and are mostly good with a few rough stretches. So if you're a betting man and you know what Dan Bailey's history is and you know uh, how he's performed and how his career has progressed and you literally had to put something important on the line, which side are you leaning on? Oh, no, Dan Bailey's broken. He can't come back from this. Time to move on. If he goes out, he won't hit his next kick. Or... This is a rough stretch, but this is a guy who's done it forever. This isn't a young Blair Walsh. This isn't a young Daniel Carlson. This isn't Kai Forbath. This is a, a decade and a half NFL veteran who's seen a couple rough stretches and seen consistency other than that throughout his career. So uh, my point is, and this might all be laughable come Sunday, depending on who's out there kicking the football, but if you made me put – money on one side of the line or the other, I am going to put it on the side that Dan Bailey's career is going to recover and he's going to go back to being a good kicker like he was the previous 11 games this season and 16 last year, 17 including playoffs. Yeah, I think the thing about it is that you cited is the longevity. Like, unless there's something physically wrong, you know that mentally it's something that he's had to go through this before. So if that's the case 
There should be no reason why he can't try and get it back. I, I, I understand the frustration. I understand whether it's the coaches or the players or even just the public at all across the board. I think a guy like Dan Bailey has the, the career, the longevity and the tenacity to get through this. I just feel like unless I don't think there's anything major that's coming when you've got three games left at this point in the season, personally. And I, I just feel like Dan Bailey, the reason why he put him out there, I think for that 50 yard field goal too, was to say, listen, we have the faith in you and, and go do it. Like there is no other question. There is no other answer. Just go do it. And, and I feel like in practice this week coming up, I'm sure he's going to be working as much as he can, but what it comes down to is just going out there and executing. So hopefully whether it's, something else going on with him, whether it's physically or, or the, the unit or whatever the heck it is, hopefully another week's worth of, of time to kind of work on this thing is going to actually have us work into a better position than we were these last two weeks because, yeah, it was frustrating, and I'm sure there's nobody else beating himself up more than Dan Bailey at this point. So hopefully for Dan, um, he has a better game coming up this week, and for the next three weeks everything is smooth sailing and we don't have to worry about special teams again. And speaking of money being on the line, it is game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. Download Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app to watch all of your favorite Vikings programming on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV. Search Vikings Now with any compatible device to begin watching videos. Watch full episodes of TV shows such as Vikings Game Plan and Vikings Connected, plus digital programming like The Voyage. Also watch game highlights, player and coach press conferences, and much more. It's vikings.com slash ctv for info. Hey guys, Pro Bowl voting continues via social media. Check out Twitter and drop hashtags to help vote for your favorite Vikings. Tweet hashtag Pro Bowl vote plus your player's name or Twitter handle to cast your Pro Bowl ballot. Get out there. CJ Ham, another great year. Eric Kendricks, who might have missed a couple games, but he better be in he better be in that Pro Bowl game. Uh, Harrison Smith, Garrett Bradbury stepping up on and on and on and on. I'm going to keep stumping like I have every single week for Brian O'Neill. Brian O'Neill, Brian O'Neill, Brian O'Neill. This is an organization that has longed for stud offensive linemen. And Brian O'Neill has come in and been a stud since day one and gotten better with each and every single week. Get out there and cast your vote. Uh, a couple housekeeping notes. Chris mentioned this week's episode of Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Check it out. Tight end Tyler Conklin. Talks about his love of Siberian Huskies. They both grew up in Michigan. His nicknames in the locker room. It's every week on KFAN on Tuesday night, or you can get it on the podcast app. Uh, tune in to Vikings Post Game Live every week, 15 minutes after each game from inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Get a breakdown of the game, including highlights, stats, analysis, and more. Tune in on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, and Vikings social media channels. Finally, check out Vikings Vantage this Friday, 6.30 p.m., KFAN 100.3. Our boy, Chris Corso, our friend, Gabe Henderson, their special guest, Courtney Cronin this week, originally from Chicago. Uh, Gabe and Corso will also give you info on everything leading up to kickoff versus the Bears. Check it out live on KFAN or download it on your favorite podcast app. That's Vikings Vantage this Friday, 6.30 p.m., KFAN. Boys. 
We've been talking about margin of error on this show the last few weeks. Well, it's gone. From a season standpoint, there is no longer a margin of error. You got to win this game. You got to win the next two. What, uh, what's the number one thing you're going to be looking for going into Sunday? Jay? Brought it up earlier, David Montgomery. Uh, he is the X factor. He is the missing link from the the Week Ten matchup. I think if he is uh, doing what he did against Houston and, and ripping off eighty yard runs and having over one hundred and twenty in a game, I think David Montgomery is potentially going to be that X factor that's going to make your life miserable defensively, and the fact that you have Trubisky back in. So stop David Montgomery, like you said, make Trubisky beat you, and go from there. That is my X factor. Watch for how we handle David Montgomery. Chris Corso. Mine is the interior of the offensive line. I don't know who's going to be in there or what formation we go with with the, with the offensive line, but we need to protect the quarterback as well as um, in the running game. Let's block down the field against this stout defense. Uh, I'm just curious to see how everybody responds. Uh, backs are against the wall. Tough loss. Everybody, I think, is immensely frustrated. And this is a Chicago team that, like I've mentioned numerous times in this show, is more like the Chicago team that you've struggled with the last few years than the one you played earlier this season. This is the Chicago team, the way they're playing right now as they're healthy, this is the Chicago team that is built to give the Minnesota Vikings fits. So knowing that it's a particularly tough matchup for what you like to do and knowing how last week fell apart and knowing all the things that are swirling around this team, how do you respond? You know, if you can go out and play really, really well and get a defining victory with all those things flying in your face, Cardinals don't have the easiest schedule in the world. All of a sudden that Eagles game this weekend is looking kind of tough. They got to see the Rams again, who I think are the best team in the NFC. There's a real possibility that the Cardinals slip up here. You have a chance to respond, get a defining win, and walk forward in a very specific way. And I'll be really curious to see what that looks like on Sunday. Uh, For Jay Nelson and Chris Corso, uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week.